Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Relove Podcast. This is Pastor Seth Yolorda, and I want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to listen to this week's message. Our prayer is that it will leave you inspired, encouraged, and challenged as you grow higher in Christ. And I also just want to ask that if this message is a blessing to you, that you would take the time to share it, to send it to a friend, send it to a family member so that they too can be blessed. Again, we thank you for taking the time to listen, and we pray that you are blessed. Good morning, everybody. Everybody who's left, good morning, everybody. Praise the Lord. Glad to be here. So good to see some, uh, some of you all. Haven't seen you in a while. Glad that you're here with us worshiping. Um, and for those who are with us online, we welcome you into this space. We thank you for logging in, uh, no matter where you're joining us from. Uh, no matter where you are in the United States or across the country uh, or in this world, whether you're at home, in bed. Uh, you know, there are some people in bed right now. <laughs> we here, they in bed. It's all right. No judgment, no shame. We're just glad that you're tuned in. Um, you might be standing in your kitchen. You might be driving in a car. You might be watching this, not live, but maybe you're catching this um, next week. Uh, a month from now, a year from now, God, if God delays his coming. And we just pray that wherever you are, that you would experience the grace and the fullness of God in your heart in this moment. Saints of God, I'm excited about the word today. Uh, uh, let me just first ask, how was everyone's week? Rachel, how was your week? It was good? Praise the Lord. Captain Bill, how was your week? You're here, you're alive, you're still, still kicking. Brittany, how was your week? It was long. The weekend is here. Uh, the weekend is here. Super excited. Uh, uh, man, let's go to the word. Acts chapter 16. Uh, it's not going to be uh, a long word today, but I think it's going to be power packed. God was speaking to me this week about it. Um, Acts chapter 16. And we're going to start with verse 16 and we're going to read through verse 34. And I'm reading from the New Living, from the New Living Translation. It's on the screen there. Um, if you don't have a Bible or if you don't have a, um, a phone, the Bible app, um, then you can follow us along. One day we were going down to the place of prayer. We met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. Verse 17, she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. This went on day after day until Paul got so exacerbated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. Say, I command you. Come out of her. And instantly, the Bible says in verse 18, it left her. Her masters, however, her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas, dragged them before the authorities of the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to the city officials. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with rods. They were severely beaten and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they did not escape. Verse 24. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. 
Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were doing what? Were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake. Uh, We're familiar with earthquakes here in Southern California. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake. And the prison was shaken to its foundation. The doors immediately flew open. The chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped. So he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself. We are here. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked them, sirs, what must I do to be saved? That's a powerful question. They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Not just you, but everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and all who lived in his household. Verse 33, even at the hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. Verse 34, he brought them into his house, set a meal before them, and he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Father, again, as we open your word, open our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm excited about this word because this is a relevant word for us even today. Um, you know, I did not share this word or this scripture with Lachey. I didn't share it with Miss Paula. I didn't share it with Johnny, um, who were leading out in our praise. I don't, I don't, didn't share it with Izzy either. And yet, um, the spirit of their worship and the songs that they sang and the way that they led, it was confirmation, Sam, that in fact, uh, that we were in alignment, that the spirit of God was moving between what they were saying and what I felt God was asking and calling me to say in this moment. And that is because sometimes in your life, as you go through life, you can get so caught up in the things that are not happening right in your life. Do I have a witness in the house? Have anybody has ever gone through anything in this place or online, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And there are some, Courtney, some, some blessed individuals who were born with a smile on their face. And no matter what the situation might be, they are going to smile at all times. But for the rest of us, who were not gifted with such grace from our mother's womb, we have the tendency at times to find ourselves fixated on the wrong thing. Say the wrong thing. Sometimes, if we're not careful, we can find ourselves missing out on the divine movement of God, missing out on the divine plan of God, missing out on the divine purposes of God because we are so fixed on how the situation from our standpoint is not working out. Now, I don't know if anyone in here knows anything at all about the Enneagram, but the Enneagram is a personality test that I've taken it, our staff has taken it. And when you look at the Enneagram, I am an Enneagram uh, one. That's right, thank you for reminding me. I am a one. And a one is someone who has an orientation, Captain Peel, towards perfectionism. Pray for your pastor this morning. 
So in my mind, when I come into a building, a setting, a worship, a space, the church, in my mind, I have this orientation that things have to be perfect. And that if they're not perfect, then something's wrong. Someone is wrong. Who didn't do their job? Who dropped the ball, Mark? That's just, you know, forgive me if I've ever come across like that to you. That's just, it's just in me. It's just natural. The same way you just breathe, I just breathe perfectionism. And God is still working with me on that. And for someone like me, it's very easy that I can begin to make a big deal out of things that really in the big picture are no deal at all. And you might be similar where you think about your life and the plans that you had and the purposes that you were trying to accomplish and things did not work out the way you wanted them to work out. They did not materialize the way that you hoped for them to materialize. And so rather than looking at all of the things that are going right and that are blessing you and that are giving you, uh, that, that can have the potential to bring joy and happiness into your life, you are fixated at all of the things that are going wrong. This became acutely, uh, I became acutely aware of this on our trip that I shared with you all last week that my wife and I took uh, to Hawaii a few weeks ago. Uh, because not only, as I shared with you last week, did my wife and I have the opportunity to go scuba diving, but we also have the opportunity to go parasailing. Now, has anyone in the house ever been parasailing before? Okay, we got a few people. Um, uh, parasailing is a very interesting adventure. Uh, I'm not going to call it a sport. I don't think it's a sport. It's a very interesting adventure. Uh, I knew going into Hawaii that I wanted to, I wanted to parasail. In fact, I actually wanted to show you a picture of my wife and I. The, we were uh, up there, and we, from the look on our face, it looks like we had a good time. Amen. <laughs> It looks like we had a good time, but I'm going to tell y'all, uh, it was my first time and it was her first time. And, and when they took us off of the boat and we were probably uh, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 feet above the, um, above the water, that's when they took that picture. And I was having a great time at 50 feet, Rachel. But when they took us to 100, uh, something began to shift inside of me. When they took us to 200 and 300 and 400 and then 500 and then 600 and then 700, something began to shift in me. When they took us up to 800 feet, right, uh, uh, my wife was just so fixated on the beauty that was surrounding her. She was just like, Seth, just look at all of this beauty. It's so beautiful. In fact, I have a picture of a few of the things that we saw uh, when we were up there. I mean, you could see the, 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 I think that was, what's that called, Paula? That's, um, the, that diamond head, yes, right, diamond head. You can see diamond head, and it was beautiful, and you can see all the people in the water. I had another picture as well. You can see, um, um, the, and that's like the Waikiki area. You can see the mountains in the background, and it was just beautiful. It was a beautiful experience for her. It was a beautiful experience for her because for her, she was focused on the right things. But for me, for some reason, and I promise you, this is the first time, Captain Field, in my entire life that I have ever experienced anxiety, ever. I have never felt anxious about anything before, except in this moment. Because as we were now a thousand feet in the air, and my wife was saying, Seth, look how beautiful it looks all around us. Just look at the mountains and the city and all, and just look at it. And she was just basking in God's glory. All I could think about, I want to show you the next picture, next picture. All I could think about was that rope. 
And the entire 10 minutes, we were a thousand feet in the air. I could not think about anything other than that rope. I tried to let go of the sides, but I couldn't because my mind was fixated with this one nagging question. What if this rope breaks? And as I looked at my wife and she was just like, oh, just kicking her legs and smiling and just, and just leaning back in the straps. And I was just not having any of it. And it was a weird experience for me, Stephen, because my, my heart was racing and I was trying to gain composure. I tried to let go of the, of the, uh, of the straps that we we're holding on to to just really take in the moment. I even tried to look around at, at the mountains and the range and all of that, but I just could not. All I could think about was if this rope breaks, how long is it going to take me before I hit that water? And what is in that water if I hit that water? Will we survive? This this situation showed me that if you're not careful, you will miss all of the beauty and the joy of life because you are focused on the wrong thing. Has this ever happened to you before? And maybe not parasailing, but maybe in your home, maybe in your marriage, maybe, maybe you came home from a hard day's work and, and, and rather than realizing the joy of having kids who greet you and say your name, daddy or mommy, and they run up and to give you hugs, you're, you're hyper-focused on the fact that they did not clean up their room. Or maybe, maybe just maybe you step into your work and you're talking to your coworkers and rather than thinking about how you have been blessed with a good job and a good team, you are hyper-focused on some task that someone left undone and now it's going to put more responsibilities on your plate. Maybe, I don't know, maybe just maybe you're sitting around your Thanksgiving meal dinner time with your family and rather than thinking about the joy that you have in front of you and the fact that you are fortunate enough to have a family and to be able to gather, you're, you're, you're hyper-focused on that one little comment that your auntie said to you about you still not being married and when you'll get your life together. And you miss out on all of the favor and the blessings and enjoying that moment because you are focused on the wrong thing. It's almost like you could be driving down the 91 or the 605. They're all demonic. And you could be driving in a Rolls Royce. But if your mind's not right, you will complain because of the bumps in the road or because of the bumper to bumper traffic or because the person in front of you is not going fast enough, not realizing that you are so blessed to be alive in this place, on this planet, in this time right now. You see, when you focus on the wrong things, you make major, you, you, you will major in the minors. Have you ever heard that phrase before? When you focus on the wrong, and the wrong things, you will make a mountain out of a molehill. When you focus on the wrong things, you will miss the many blessings that are all around you. Because from your perspective, something is not going right. And in fact, when you focus on the wrong things, Sabrina, what I've come to learn is that you will actually pray the wrong prayers you realize that there are wrong prayers. I, I realized this recently. I, I grew up with this, with this 
belief that any prayer is a good prayer and any prayer is, a, is, a, is the right prayer. But, but I've come to understand, Sam, that there are some wrong prayers. And, and I want to show it to you. I want to show it to you here in the text because in Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas were doing the Lord's work. They were going through this town. They were, um, they were preaching the gospel. And there was a woman, as we just read in the text, who was coming behind them. And this woman was prophesying and declaring who these people were. They're like, oh, this is uh, um, a man of the most high. And they did this day in and day out to the point where Paul got annoyed with her. And he said, you know what? I'm tired of you always declaring who we are. And so he cast this demon out of her. She was set free. The, the woman's owners came and were upset with Paul. So they took him captive and Silas. They beat them. They threw them in prison. They bound them in shackles. And there Paul and Silas found themselves in a dungeon. This is not where they had planned to be. I can imagine that morning when they woke up. When they woke up, they didn't imagine that they would have a broken nose possibly and a, and a, and a black eye. They didn't imagine that they would be bloodied and bruised. They, they sure enough, I'm sure, didn't imagine that they would have been dragged before the city council and accused of their errors and their ways and, 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 and issued to go into jail. I can imagine in that moment when they woke up that they didn't think that at the end of the day, we're going to be in prison. But here they are, not being somewhere they did not expect to be. And look at what Paul and Silas do. The, town, the Bible tells us that they were severely beaten in verse 23. They were thrown into prison. They were ordered, the jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. He put them in stocks and in the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in stocks. And then verse 25 says, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Now, this, this is a very interesting text to me because, because here they are in prison. And I don't know if you've ever been in a messed up situation before, but the times when I find myself in a messed up situation, I... I know off jump that one of the things I know I'm not doing is singing. Now, I might be praying, but I show enough ain't singing. And that's not because I can't sing, but that's because my spirit ain't right in those moments. Because a lot of times when you and I find ourselves in, 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 in difficult situations, we might pray, but these are the types of prayers we pray. God, why? God, why did you let this happen? Why is this happening to me? God, why didn't you show up? And, and God, what do, God, 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 fix this situation. And God, what are you doing here? And we have these almost accusatory prayers that we level at God. And sometimes I think, well, yes, it is good that we can go to God and we can pray about anything and we can pray about everything. Sometimes we can actually pray the wrong thing. Because if you pray a why God prayer, it will put you in a in a uh, spiritual funk. Have you ever been in a spiritual funk before? Like it, it's almost as if you're not careful, you will pray yourself into a, a, a frenzy and a, pray yourself into more worry and more anxiety. But in this text, we know that Paul and Silas are not praying why prayers. They're not praying, God, why did you make God? We were doing your work. God, how would you set us up like this? God, why would you let this happen, God? We, we know they're not praying those prayers because the text tells us that at midnight, Paul and Silas, while they were in prison, they were praying and they were singing hymns. It is impossible to pray why prayers and sing hymns at the same time. I know it's impossible. 
It's impossible to go to God complaining and griping and yet simultaneously singing his praise. Like those are like two contradictory emotions and feelings. Like it just doesn't, doesn't work like that. I can only imagine that the type of prayers that Paul and Silas were praying in that moment were have your way prayers. God, I don't know why you allow this to happen, but God, we give you glory because we know, show enough, that you're about to show yourself strong in this situation. We, we would have never done it this way if you would have asked us, God. If you would have consulted with us, we probably would have scripted it a little bit differently. I would have probably made sure they didn't break my nose in the process or they didn't beat me too bad in the process. But God, we're here now. And because we're here, we're just going to show out for you. And so we're just going to start singing praises to you and singing hymns to you. And the text tells us that while they are praying and singing hymns and praising God, that the other soldiers around them are listening and it's almost like the other soldiers around them are being encouraged and being strengthened because in that moment in prison when Paul and Silas had a legitimate say legitimate they had a legitimate reason to complain they chose to sing They had a legitimate reason to have a gripe against God, but they chose to pray. When they could have gone before God and they could have been angry and upset and frustrated because the situation wasn't working out the way the situation was supposed to work out, in that moment, they chose not to focus on the shackles or on the bruises or on the pain or on the fact that they are in the inner dungeon. In that moment, they chose to focus on God. We don't know why you sent us here, but we believe you're going to show yourself strong in this moment. That in this life, in this Christian life, every day, every moment you wake up, you have an option and a choice. You can choose what you want to focus on. You can focus on how it ain't working out, or you can focus on how, even though it might not be the way you would have scripted it for yourself, somehow God's still going to work it out. I think think as believers, we, we, we have to move into this point where, from a spiritual perspective, we have a natural orientation where, okay, if I'm upset, I'm going to tell God I'm upset, but I'm not going to stay there too long because I recognize that all things work together for good. Like, I might be upset, but I'm not going to stay there because I recognize that he that began a good work in me is faithful to complete it. I might be upset, but I'm not going to stay there because I realize that our God shall supply all of our needs. I might be upset, but I'm not going to stay there because I recognize that my God is still on the throne and he will somehow bring some good out of this messed up situation. I mean, who better is an example of this for us than Job, who found himself covered in boils and family deceased and finances gone. And rather than cursing God like his wife told him to do, Job says, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In moments of loss and pain and frustration, have you reached a point in your own spiritual maturity where you can lift your hands and you can say, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I don't know. If it was up to me. I would have done it different. But he's God. I'm not. I'm going to trust that he's going to work it out according to his perfect plan for my life. 
So here they are, and at midnight, they are praying, and they are singing hymns, and all of a sudden, an earthquake happens, their shackles are, are loosed, the doors open mysteriously, and they have every right to walk out into freedom. Now, some of us may have taken advantage of that. God done made a way of escape, well, I'm going to take it, right? It would be presumptuous of me not to walk out. He opened the door, let me walk through that door. But it was almost as if Paul and Silas had a different perspective. They said, yeah, God has opened the door, but just because the door is open doesn't mean my assignment here is done. There might just be something else God wants me to do before I walk through this open door that he has presented to me. And so when the, when the soldier ran in and was about to kill himself and, and, Paul, and Paul and Silas saw the soldier draw his sword to about to stab himself with it, I'm sure at that moment Paul realized, ha, that's why he opened the door. <laughs> that's why we're in this inner dungeon because God wants to do a work in that soldier's life. And so Paul says, listen, don't kill yourself, we're here. And in that moment, the soldier says, man, what must I do to experience the God that will give you such peace in the midst of a prison? What must I do to be saved? Paul, Silas, went to their house, baptized him and his family. And guess what happened in that house? That house was the genesis of the church of Philippi. The same church that Paul writes to in the book of Philippians, he's writing to the church of Philippians that was started that night in that jailer's house. Talk about divine appointment. Talk about understanding that, that, that all things, what did I say? All things work together. Recognizing that, you know what? It might be messed up and it might be less than ideal, but somehow God's going to weave this thing for his glory. Our challenge is if we are not, if we don't have our minds fixed on the right thing, Mark, then we will find ourselves totally missing out on what God is trying to do. Not just in our lives, but in the lives of those around us. So we are fixated on the frustration and the pain and the struggle and the annoyance of life, not realizing that God is trying to do something so much bigger and so much greater if we would just turn our eyes from our frustrations and put them on our Savior by faith. That's why I love what he says in Isaiah chapter 26, one of my favorite verses. Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3, he says, but you will keep him in what? You will keep him in what? He will keep him in perfect peace, all who trust in you. Another version says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Trust in the Lord. All whose thoughts are fixed on you, trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. He will keep you in perfect peace. So my wife and I are up there a thousand feet in the air, and it was only for 10 minutes, but it felt like eternity. And I'm holding on, fixated on the wrong thing. While my wife, right next to me, has a different perspective. And because she has a different perspective, guess what? She had an entirely different experience. 
We were both in the same place. We were both going through the same activity. We were both had the opportunity to experience the exact same thing. But because my focus was wrong, Yasmin, my experience was wrong. And when we came down and she said, man, I want to do that again. I said, I do not want to do that again. She was looking at all the beauty. I was looking at the rope. And what's interesting about that is that when I got down and I was talking to the captain of the ship, the little boat that we were on, and I was just like, man, I don't, I don't know if that was for me. I, I just, I couldn't get my mind off of the rope. And I just felt like, man, is this rope strong enough? What if it, what if it breaks? Or, you know, how often do you guys change the rope? How often do you check the rope? And he was like, oh, but if the rope breaks, you got a parachute. And my mind was like, even if the rope breaks, you are attached to a parachute. Now, I couldn't see the parachute from my position. It was behind me. I, I knew it was there, but, but in the moment, I had lost awareness of its presence because I was so focused on the rope. And in that moment, y'all, y'all got to know the Lord was talking to me all through that thing. He made it extremely clear that for many of us, we live our lives the exact same way, fearing that what if this doesn't work out and what if that doesn't work out and what if worst case scenario and God is trying to let us know, even if you experience worst case scenario, because I love you and you're my son and you're my daughter, don't you know you are attached to a parachute called my grace? and a parachute called my love and a parachute called my mercy that I will not allow anything to happen to you that I, am, that I cannot control or be uh, 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 over, that I will guide you safely to your destination even if it seems like all hell is breaking loose around you. My parachute of grace will softly lead you down. It's not in your control. <laughs> Trust that as you enter into relationship with God, things won't go the way that you always plan. But when they do go wrong, God's grace is sufficient for you. And you will find yourself floating in the arms of God's love as he carries you to safety. Now, the question, as you go through life, Izzy can, Izzy can come out and play for me. As you go through life and you begin to realize, God, I need help fixing my focus because unlike the pastor, I have the tendency to focus on things that are not going right. God, I need help changing my perspective. God, could you help me just really shift what's going on in my life and, and help me to focus not on what I don't have, the glass being half empty, but help me to focus on what I do have, the glass, the glass being half full. God, can, can you just really help, help me just fix my focus? And, and, and I want to share with you that if, there's, if, there, if there is 
there is a way from my perspective, something that you can do to kind of help you shift perspective so that you can, um, to the best of your ability and within your control, always have a positive orientation towards the things of God and to, towards, the, towards the direction your life is going. And it's found actually in Psalms 100. I want to turn there. This is our last text. Psalms 100. Psalms 100, verse 1. Uh, I, I want you to read it with me. He says, he says what? What does it say? It says, shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Uh, Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is good. He made us and we are his. We are his people and we are the sheep of his pasture. And then it says in verse four, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good and his unfailing love continues forever and his faithfulness continues to each generation. That there is, when you get up in the morning, a, 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 a practice, a discipline that you should strive to embrace every single day is that when you wake up, no matter if it's two or three o'clock or, or seven or eight o'clock in the morning, that when you wake up and your eyes open, that you just shout to the Lord with praise. They say, God, I don't know what today has in store. And yesterday was kind of rough, but God, I just thank you. God, yeah, life might not be working the way I want it to be. And there might be some challenges, but God, I thank you. God, I thank you. What I want to challenge you to do is in the worst situation you find yourself in, to start shouting his praise. He says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Do you know how to get into God's presence? It's not by coming in those doors or logging on to this YouTube or Facebook Live. That's not how you get into God's presence. It's how you get into a building, but some of us are in the building and we're still not in God's presence. (laughs) The way you get into God's presence is with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving with praise. You can come and you can sit in these seats and the praise team can be praising and worshiping and I can be preaching. But if your mind isn't oriented towards Thanksgiving, you're in the building, but you're not in his presence. You can log on and watch and turn it up on all your computers and phones and, and devices around your house and you can turn the speakers up. But, but, but sitting there listening to someone sing at you and someone preach at you does not mean you're actually in his presence. Because the way you get in his presence is through thanksgiving. It's you coming and you saying, God, I thank you that I am here. I thank you, you have given me this experience. I thank you for another day that you have blessed me with. God, I thank you that I I have food to eat and clothes to wear and family to love. And, and, And you start just going through your life and just giving him praise for all of the good things he has done for you. That is how you get into the presence of God. And this is the key about God is that when you get into God's presence, that is where God reveals his plan. I I don't want y'all to miss this. Some of us are wandering through life in and out of tough situations, and we feel as though we don't know God's plan for our life. 
What is God doing? Why would he allow this situation? Why am I locked up? Why am I in shackles? God, why do they, and, and having all these questions about why your life has, has, has presented you with the way that it has presented you. And you are, are confused about the plan of God for your life. Well, if you want to know God's plan, you have to get in God's presence because it's in his presence that he reveals his plan. It was until Paul and Silas started worshiping and singing that God said, okay, let me reveal my plan. Earth began to shake. Chains started coming off. Doors started opening and they were set free. It's not until you get into his presence that you stop focusing on the rope and you start focusing on the glory that you turn your eyes from what's going wrong and the annoyances and the frustrations and the fear and you start looking at God, all of the potential and the abundance and the blessing. And when you move with that orientation into the presence of God, it allows God to put you in a position where he can now reveal his plan to you. And you can walk with confidence into the plan of God for your life. So my, 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 my burden for us today, as I was reading this this week and reflecting on where I've been in my own life, my burden for us is that we would get our mind right. That no matter where you are, what season of life you're in, what's working or not working, that you would get your mind right. And that you would be able to say, God, I thank you for where I am, for what's happening. It's not ideal, it's not perfect, but God, I know you are in control and I will shout with joy, knowing that even if worst case scenario happens, God, you got a parachute. And that parachute is a parachute of love that will allow me to safely drift into your plan and purposes for me. How many believe the word of God? How many just want to enter into his presence, into his gates with thanksgiving? Father, our hands are lifted in this place. We too often are so focused on what's not right and what's wrong and, and the, the difficulty and the frustration of the moment that we totally miss the beauty that is revealed through your grace in our lives. But God, today my prayer is that whatever the difficulty, whatever the frustration, whatever the point of contention or pain, God, that you would just open our eyes, that we can have a different orientation and perspective and that we would just lean into thanksgiving and joy and praise and adoration, knowing that our God is not done with us and that you will complete what you started in us. God, you see your people, you see our hearts, you see our, uh, where we are. Lord, would you just have your way? Would you move us closer to you? Would you bring us in alignment with your plan and your purposes for our life? And when it's all said and done, God, would we just every day be able to say, God, we just want to thank you. We bless the Lord at all times. Your praise shall continually be in our mouth. Our soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, let us magnify the Lord together. Let us exalt his name for he is good. You are good. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Let everybody who believes say amen and amen. Let's just put our hands together if you believe the word of God.